I love, I love the word essentials. There's a, there's a lot of things in life that are just essential. Um, raise your hand if you went on a road trip this, uh, this year, this summer. You road tripped it this year, anything like that? Uh, not a lot of hands. How many flew somewhere? I see you, okay, you know. And um, there's a lot of essentials. And I really was really thinking about it. When you, when you take a road trip, for me, I have some essentials when I drive on a road trip. For me, my first essential is Werther's Caramels, all right? I got to have I gotta have something to eat while I'm I'm, I'm on the road. And uh, Werther's, it's old man candy. It's like I don't I'm, I'm relating to baby boomers right now because I love the butterscotch or the caramel Werther's. I like to eat those. And man, if I have Werther's and I just have a small drink, because you have to understand the essentials of a road trip is not to have a ton of beverages, all right? Because I'm a man and I like to dehydrate myself so we never pee and we just get to our destination. Can I get an amen, somebody? But now I'm a father and a husband, and we stop every 10 minutes, and, and that's fine. You know, now I've been to uh, Barstow, Eddie's World. I've been to Susie's Diner. I've been to, you know what I mean, like at Flying J. I've been to the whole, the whole deal. You know, Victorville, like I'm your guy. I know, I know the places to go. One of my main essentials, though, if you're going to do a really good road trip or if you're going to do like a, a turnaround trip, uh, to maybe Disney, you know, or turn around trip to California, you got to see the ocean, and because that's therapy, everybody, amen. But one of my essentials is you got to have a good wingman. You know what a wingman is? A good passenger. And a good passenger is not my wife. She'll just, she'll be like, you good, I trust you, you know, and she'll go right to sleep. Uh, but you need a good wingman who will keep you awake. You need a good wingman that'll keep you, keep you like preoccupied and, and someone to talk to so the trip goes by a little bit quicker. How many of them I'm talking about, right? How many can think of a wingman right now? You got to have a good wingman. Well, once this year, we drove back from California. It was Lorenzo and I and Pastor Lindsay and Alita and the ladies were in the back seat and it was a turnaround trip. And on the way back from California, uh, we, Lorenzo and I look back, say it's going to be about 3 a.m. when we rode up to Vegas, like we're, like, like we're 18 years old, you know. And we look at the back seat. They had pillows. They had blankets. They had eye masks. I mean, they had, like, diffusers, you know, like, I don't know what. Uh, they had a whole deal back there, sound machine, you know. And, and we're like, for real? They're like, we trust you, <sighs> you know. And so on the, on, the, on the drive there, Lorenzo said, okay, you drive. And so I was driving, and as we're driving, my wingman, my essential wingman, you know what he said? We got the pastor's seat. He said, I'm just going to close my eyes for a few minutes. How many know what I'm talking about, right? I said, oh, okay, just for a few minutes, just for a few minutes. When he closed his eyes, I had the, I had the urge to close my eyes, you know, like, like, I've never been, I'm getting old, y'all. Like, when I was 16, I was like, that's so much fun, you know. I'm 39, and I was like, I'm seeing things on the road, like unicorns, and like, what is this? I mean, I was so tired. But I got to talk about, there's a lot of essentials that we really need in this life. And I want to talk about the essentials of Christianity. I want to talk about the essentials of what it means to be a Christ follower. Because even nowadays, I just can't say, I'm a Christian. I got to say, I follow Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, who died for my sins, and he resurrected three days later. 
But there are some essentials that we have to talk about. And during this entire collection, we're going to go, we're going to go uh, weeks, if not months, in this collection. Because uh, the more I begin to do life with individuals, the more I begin to do uh, rub shoulders, not with just those that raised their hand and gave their life to Jesus, but with those that have been the church for 20 or 30 years are still saying, I don't know how to read my word. I don't really know how to pray. And, I can, and can I say, there's no shame on anyone. This is grace, grace, grace. But the local church has to do a better job. We have to do a better job and say, this is how we read our word. This is how we pray. This is what we believe. We're going to be talking about theology. We're going to be talking about eschatology. We're going to be talking about uh, all these types of different things. What's, what does it mean to be the church? Now, I want to challenge you. Uh, we have a very... Uh, a diverse church. We have a church of, uh, of man, we, we say uh, those that are fresh, like those that just gave their life to Jesus, or those that have been doing this. You're like, oh, gee, you're like, been there, done that. You know, like you can, you can definitely have this microphone to preach. But if you're here today and you're saying, uh, essentials is going to be way too basic. If you're saying that today, then here's my challenge. You're probably ready for the next step. And I, I challenge you to lead a small group. I challenge you to lead a small group. I already know how to pray and read my Bible. Then it's time for you to lead. Then it's time for you to open up your home. Then it's time for you to get a gathering of individuals for you to invest into their lives. So I challenge you in this. But can I just tell you, um, you know, we, we, just re- we recently redid our Connect One Day. And in our Connect One Day, we used to call it Girl Track. In, in our, in, going from Girl Track to Connect One Day, Pastor Lindsay and I and the team, we sat down with our information, with our, all of our content, and we're going through it, we're updating it, and we're adding. But as I'm going through it, I'm like, this is really good stuff. And I haven't been in Girl Track in you know, a few years, right? And so I was like, this is really good. I was like, who came up with this? We did. Oh, that's awesome, you know. This is all in God's word. It's biblical. But as I'm being refreshed in something that I deemed as basic or something that I deem as essential, I'm going, this is a great reminder. This is so, I've forgotten just the essentials of Christianity. I've forgotten the essentials of why we have a church. Avenue didn't, didn't, we didn't start a church so that we could build a church. We started a church so we could build people. Because we want everybody, everybody in our city not just our cliques, not just in our, our echo chambers. We want everybody in our city to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to make an eternal difference. And so here's what we're going to learn during the uh, essentials, all right? Here's what we're going to learn. This is, not, this is not everything, but I just want to get you prepared and get you ready. We're going to learn how to pray. We're going to learn how to study and read the Bible. I'm going to teach you how to study the Bible. I'm going to teach you how to read the Bible, but also we're going to talk about theology because you have to be careful on what you believe. I'm going to teach you how to lead. We're going to teach you how to find community. What does that mean? Like, is this even biblical, you know? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how to find your gift. We're going to talk about how to share your faith. We're going to talk about eschatology. We're going to talk about theology. We're going to talk about end times, y'all. That would be super fun, you know? And we're going to be talking about all these different things. And so we're going to, we're going to go to, we're going to go to church every Sunday, all right? We're going to go to school every Sunday. And so here's my challenge for you. I'm going to give you the essentials challenge right up front. And the challenge is to bring your Bible, to bring notes, and bring a friend. Bring your Bibles, bring your notes, and bring a friend. Now, I like the paperback edition. Come on, somebody, right? I like the paper Bible, right? Bring a real Bible. Bring, bring some real paper and some real pens and real pencils, but also bring a real friend. Because if you bring a friend, well, I don't know, you know. 
is my friend. I don't see anybody, okay. But also, too, what's really cool is um, starting today, we have partnered with YouVersion. You know, the guys that create the Bible app for all platforms, um, we partnered with them today. And now Avenue, we, we, we had to get approved and all that. But I want you to take out your phones right now, and you can scan the QR code, and we have our sermon notes on the YouVersion app. Sermon notes on the YouVersion app. And so what you can do is scan this right now. Get your phones out, scan it, and uh, I hope it works because that's all beyond me, somebody. But also, you can see the sermon notes there. But I challenge you, man, transcribe them from the app into your own personal notes. Also, you can friend Avenue on version. But look at this. We've arrived, baby. We've arrived, everybody, online. Also, you have a lower thirst. You should be seen on your screen. Go ahead and scan that QR code. We're going to do this every single week, every single week week. And so, man, the staff just gave the pastor more work to do. Come on, somebody, you know. But if you're taking notes, did it work? Everyone, it worked? Yeah, it worked. I got you. The title of my message today, and this is really a, a message that I want to, it's really an introductory message. I really feel by the, by the just by uh, the Holy Spirit, by what culture has done, by the, by the different voices we've been hearing, I really feel like my job today, my only job today, is to persuade you to come every single Sunday, to persuade you to dive deep into God's Word, to persuade you to know that the church is essential. The church is essential. The church is essential. I'll even take a step further. The church is not only essential, the church is foundational. The church is not only essential, the church is foundational. Uh, Matt, we've heard it uh, you know, a few years back. There's this word that said only the essential things could be open and non-essentials had to be closed. I mean, remember I'm talking about something that happened out a few years ago. How many know the church is essential? The church is foundational. We are the church. Now, there's some negative stats. And, and as I begin to do studies, I'm only going to share one negative thing about the church and then I'm going to focus on the positive because I want to be known what we're all about, not what we're against. And one of the stats is 3,000 churches close every single year. 3,000 churches close every single year. I want to say there's a friend of mine in the city. Uh, the church recently closed, but I want to say thank you for partnership. Thank you for the local church. Another church has picked it up and is now a campus. So it didn't fully close, but it became a different, uh, a, di- a, you know, a different campus, but it's still there. It still exists. It's still alive. The church as well, my friend. But I want you to know, here's a stat that just recently came out last year. It says right around 25 to 28% people were going to church. This is how many of uh, millennials, Gen X, and boomers were going to church. Then 2020 hit. We were on a steady uh, increase until this thing happened in 2020. And then it went all the way down into the, the, you know, the 12, 13, 14%. And now I want you to see this. The church is growing. The church is alive. People are coming back to church. Intendance is increasing. And I want you to see millennials, for some reason, we got it. Come on, somebody. Millennials are in it, uh, man, uh, uh, Gen X, and then ba- uh, baby boomers as well. And there's so much more we could put in there. But across every demographic, the intendance is increasing because the church is alive and the church is well. The news wants to say the church is dying, the church is non-existent, the church isn't relevant. But I'm here to tell you the church is essential. 
It is essential. It's alive. It is here today. But I want to give you encouragement. The more ugly our world gets, the more attractive biblical values become. The uglier our world gets, the more attractional biblical values become. And I want you to know, if you're a teenager in this room, and they're going to be in the next service sitting over here in their youth section. But man, the more ugly the world gets, the more attractive biblical values become. You want to make a difference in your school? Be a Christ follower. You want to be set apart? Be a Christ follower. And so there's so much more I could talk about that, but I want you to know, as we're jumping into the essential collection of talks, I want you to know, yes, the church is essential, but I want you to know there's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. This is kind of the two different groups that I can see. They say, yes, I go to church. I love the church. But there's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. There's a difference between knowing about church and knowing what church is all about. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. I didn't think I was going to use this as the core scripture for this entire collection. But this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it. A lot of times we listen to it and we go, not today. You know? Or we listen to it and we go, that's, that's difficult. That's challenging. Or we listen to it and say, God won't use me. Why would God allow me? It says, anyone who listens and follows my teaching is wise, like the person who built the house on a rock. Though the rain comes, the floodwaters rise. I guess that happened last week. I don't know. I wasn't here. And the winds beat against the house. It will not collapse because it's built on the bedrock. But anyone who follows my, anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't follow it, they don't obey it, it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains come and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. There's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. But I want you to know, it talks about two houses. It talks about two builders. While two houses can look identical, only one house can survive the storm. Though two houses may look identical, might look like a master plan community, right? But only one house can survive the storm. My prayer is during this entire collection that we walk out of this building going, I know God. I, I, I used to know about him. I had many different opinions about him. I want you to walk out of this building over the next couple of weeks say, I know Jesus. Not just because of Sundays, but because of what I'm doing daily, every single day. But I want to debunk some things. Uh, one of the things I want to debunk is I've heard this many times before. I'm going to try. I'm going to teach, and then I'm going to preach. Is that all right? And so that's why they gave me this. You want me to preach, everybody? I'll tell them. <laughs> all right? But I want to debunk um, something I've heard time and time again. I've heard the church is in the building. I'm the church. The church is in the building. I'm the church. Now, I got to preface this. I know I'm a pastor. I know a pastor at a church. And I know pastors like it when people come. I understand that. I, I get all that. I totally understand that. But I want you to know there's grace, 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 grace as I'm speaking on this topic. But I want you to know this is, this is, this is accurate. The church is in the building. We are the church. Amen? If the church was a building, we'd be doing a bad job because we rent this building, everybody, you know? Like we got to set it up. We got to tear it down. And we're looking, all right? But I want you to know this is what the Bible says in Matthew 
chapter, uh, chapter 3. It's way over there. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house. So this is where we get it from, right? The house is, the, God's church, is it a building? We're the, we're, we're the church. We're the church. We're God's house. We are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. I want you to see the scripture right here. And I want you to see, yes, this is the accurate scripture. Yes, we are the church. Yes, it is this right now where we're, there's a bunch of churches inside of a church today. You know, I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Like, like we're all the church. I am the church. You're the church. We're the church. That's great. But here's the thing. Foundations matter. So although you're the church and I'm the church, where's your foundation? The church is essential. The church is foundational. The church isn't my idea. It's God's idea. God said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And so a lot of times we, when we say, I'm the, you know, the church is the building, sometimes we use that as an excuse not to come or not to be a part of the local church. And what happens is there's a danger that begins to take place as we start to back away from a local gathering because people, and can I, can I just tell you, I understand, you know, like I get it. But as we step away, what happens is we begin to build our, our theology, we begin to build our relationships on sand and not on the rock. If anything, when we say, I'm the church, if anything, you got to show up more, not less. If you're really going to throw that around, uh, the church is the building, I'm the church, then you got to show up more and not less. Because when you say, I'm the church, you're saying, I'm responsible. When you say, I'm the church, you're saying, I'm not a consumer, I'm a contributor. I'm part of the local church. I'm part of the local church. And can I just tell you, when you, when you stay home, and, and, and you be the church, you're teaching that the church is not essential. Remember, grace, 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 grace. Grace, 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 grace. But then I have a, such a deep conviction, not because I'm a pastor, but because I grew up in a home where my mom said, as for me and my house, we go to church. We serve the Lord. And I've seen time and time again where individuals will say, can I pastor you? Is that okay? Can I pastor you? Is that okay? You can get mad at me. You can email me, lindsay at avenuechurch.cc. She'll read them all. Or email me, judd at centralonline.com. One or the other. A lot of times I'll hear, we're going to take a family day. We're not going to go to church on a Sunday. And then I'll say, well, what about Saturdays? Well, we have sports. We have games, things like that. Hear me out. I'm a sports dad. I'm about to be sports dad of more than one, one kiddo. Amen, yeah. I don't know what he's talking about. I understand that. But if I deem a family day without church and a family day with sports, then I'm showing that sports is more essential than the body of Christ. But I want you to know church is essential because we can lose motivation. Hear me out. You're not going to hell if you don't go to church. I think someone needs to hear that. You're not going to hell if you don't go to church. 
But here's what Hebrews chapter 12, we all quote this, right? Here's what Hebrews chapter 12 says. It says, let us think of ways, okay, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And here's what every preacher quotes, right? And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now, especially in the times that we live in. So what does this mean? This means I'm not going to go to hell, but I'm not motivated to grow. And that is why we come together as a church. There are times as your lead pastor, I walk in this place totally discouraged. But it's the church that has encouraged us. It is the church that I grew up. I remember when my parents got divorced, I ran to the church, and it was there at the church that I found what unconditional love looked like. It was in the church that I learned how to pray. It was in the church that I learned how to read my Bible. It was in the church that I learned to sing and jump and dance and worship. It was in the church. And can I tell you, I didn't learn to pray from my senior pastor or my youth pastor. I learned to pray from a senior men's prayer group on Saturday mornings. I walked in there and said, I don't know how to pray. Let's pray. And I learned how to pray from these men of God that were not ministers. They were elders and what deacons and all that. And they loved the Lord. And I learned to pray in the church. You're not going to hell if you don't go to church. Hear me out. Some of you just go, I'm never coming back here again. I love you. But you're not going to hell if you don't go to church. But you're certainly not motivated to grow. The church is essential. The church is so powerful. Remember, here's another debunk that I've seen this before too. I've heard this uh, said before. They didn't have church back then. If we go back into Acts, back in the, into the Gospels, they had the temple. And there in the temple, they would go there and they would listen to someone else read the Holy Scribes, whatever they picked, whatever they chose. The chosen does a pretty good job of kind of showing that, the TV series. But they didn't have church back then. But here's my, uh, I'm going to debunk that. And this is what Acts chapter uh, two says, they worship together at the temple each day. Then they met at homes. So they did their religious duty, but then they met at homes. For the Lord's Supper, they shared meals with great joy and generosity. Can I love you? Can I, lo- I love a good small group that's got food, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And all the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know what I love about the church? It motivates me to grow. I love it when I go to my small group. Man, we've had season, we had a season 20, 21 months ago where we lost. We had some family hurt. And I remember walking into my rooted small group, discouraged. My rooted small group, they're like, Pastor, teach us. And I'm like, encourage me. And together we grew stronger. And together I was rooted and established again in my relationship with Jesus after 21 years of ministry. It's what a small group does. Our men's group, all right? Men, we're going to do it during Crave. But man, men's at Jason's Deli. I'm encouraged when I leave that place. It's always like, babe, I'll be home by 8. I get home by like 9.30, you know. Because I'm encouraged and I'm motivated. You know, um, this, uh, this past week, I went, to, I went to the gym, and I tell you that so that you be impressed. And, uh, and I try to go as much as I can, and, and I go most mornings, I'm at the gym, 
and uh, and I hate leg day. I I hate you know you supposed uh, arms are fun and all those different things. I'm the weird guy at the gym, grandpa things. I don't know what I'm doing. But leg day, I don't like leg day. I just don't. I don't like like the moment I do something, and my legs are jello, and I have a horrible week. <laughs> but uh, this week I went to the gym, and I was gonna. You know what? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna do some squats. You know the thing on the bar. I'm just gonna do some. I'm just gonna do some squats. I'm just gonna do just lightweight, just enough to you know not get hurt. And as I'm putting weights on the on the squat machine, I look in the mirror, and in the mirror I see an old friend of mine. And I look back and I said, hey, what? I fist bumped him. So good to see you. Ah, you know, went back to the squat machine and I went, let's do some more weights. Let's do some more. And I added a lot of weight, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you see me? Yeah, yeah. And after that day, it wasn't even that day. It was the next day. I was like, couldn't even get up the stairs. I'll sleep down here. I'll sleep down here. But can I tell you, when you do life with others, you're motivated, and you're encouraged to grow. That's why relationships are so essential. So I'm going to keep going. It is essential to have a gathering of believers. It is so essential to have a gathering of believers. See, the church is a gathering of those that are the church. And when we gather, it's essential to praise the Lord. It is essential to lift up his holy name. It is essential to get into his word. The church is essential. I said at the beginning of this message, but I, I, I challenge you, church. I want us to move beyond Sundays as well. We're going to get really good at Sundays. Okay, we, we're great at Sundays, 9, 30, 11. It's been incredible. Wednesday nights, youth have doubled in attendance here on Wednesday nights. And parents, church is essential for your teenagers as well. My goodness, they can, they can, they, if they go to NFL, that's great, but I want them to go to heaven first. And so I just challenge you to get them here on Wednesdays. But let's, let's move beyond just a gathering of the temple. Let's meet in our homes. And so I'm going to say it one more time. I just challenge you. Will you lead a small group? Out there on the table t- uh, today, you could join a rooted group. You could join Emotionally Healthy Disciple small group. And then we're going to be doing a small group Sunday this month at Avenue Church. But I want you to know the local church is a gathering of believers. There's a gathering of believers. Here's what Jesus said to Peter. Jesus said, now I say to you, you're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now here's what Jesus was saying. I love this. Here, uh, church, the original Greek word is ecclesia. Ecclesia. That's Joe's name, but it's also a Greek word for church. Ecclesia. And this, I love this, as we begin to study this, it has a twofold meaning. When Jesus looked at Peter, the twofold meaning was, hey, upon this rock, I will build the church. I will build Avenue Church. I will build Crossing and Central and Anchor and City Light. I will build the church and the hell uh, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is withstanding. The church is going to make it. The church is going to be okay. It's the church. You understand? Woo! The church can be hard because there's people in it. I totally get it. But the church, the church, the church is so essential. But the, the, the second meeting means you're the local church as well. 
So Jesus said, I'm going to build the body of Christ, but I'm also going to build the believer. I'm going to build the church, but I'm also going to build you up. That's why we didn't start a church to use people to build it. We started a church so we could just build people. We could just build people. But here's how Jesus builds us. He builds us through instructions and through commands. Through instructions and through commands. That is why it's so essential. I always, I always say this. It is so important who gets you first. I am so grateful that when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, that I had my pastor, Dan Rothwell and Kel Thompson, guys that believed in God's word accurately because it's whoever gets you first. And so Jesus said he builds us through instructions and through commands. Why is that? Romans chapter 12. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, by changing what you believe. And that's what we're going to be doing throughout this entire collection of talks. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Upon this rock, I will build my church on the solid rock because all other ground is sinking sand. Friends, it is essential to know who you are in Jesus if you're going to weather the storm. That is why it's so crucial. That's why it's so important. You know, I, um, I like coffee. Anyone else like coffee? Coffee? Yeah? Coffee? Yeah. The only ones that clapped. I got you. Y'all, the rest of y'all need coffee. But you know, if I, um, if I only drink coffee, maybe if I have a coffee meeting with somebody, I say, hey, let's meet for coffee this Tuesday. And from today, Monday, I don't drink any coffee until we meet. Am I really a coffee drinker? If I only drink coffee over Thanksgiving with my, with my pumpkin pie, mmm, a little whipped cream, right? And that's when I drink coffee. Am I really a coffee drinker? If I wait until Christmas time, or if I wait till it gets a little cold out, because who drinks coffee was 112 degrees out? This, this guy does. But if I do something every single day, habitually, if I wake up every single morning and my coffee's already made, because I'm fully committed, it's already waiting for When I wake up, my coffee says hello first. <laughs> and when I grab my coffee and my Bible, get my devotions together, am I a coffee drinker? I'm a coffee drinker. I love coffee. That's who I am. I'm a coffee drinker. You have to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Whether you, it, it determines whether or not you make it through the storm. Whether or not you weather the storm. I pray that during this Essentials Collection, that you walk out of this building every single Sunday saying, I'm a child of God. I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. I am chosen. I'm a royal priesthood. Here's what 1 Peter chapter 2 says. It is essential to know who you are in Christ. They stumble because they don't obey God's word. Why don't they obey God's word? Because they, 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 they don't know who they are. They are chosen. You're a royal priest. You're a holy nation. You're God's very own possession. As a result, you can show the others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. When, man, when storms come my way, my attitude has changed over the years. When storms come my way, I don't go, where are you, Lord? Where are you at? 
My attitude's changed. You see, I'm God's very own possession. I'm a child of God. Because I realized long ago, this scripture here doesn't say Jesus pulls us out of the storm. The scripture says he pulls us from darkness into the light. That means in the middle of the storm, I have a light. In the middle of the storm, I know exactly where he is. And I know exactly who I am. That when you walk out of this room today, when you go to your workplace tomorrow, or when you go to school tomorrow, I want you to say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. May I am the church. I am a royal priesthood. I am chosen. We're going to talk about calling during the collection. I'm a holy nation. I'm a holy person. Set apart. I'm God's possession. I belong to Jesus. Because when you know who you are in Christ, the storms do not matter. And every single Sunday, I get reminded of that. Every single Sunday, I have seen individuals barely make it here. And by the end of the worship set, by the end of the sermon, typically, if you don't run out of here right away, by the end of a great conversation or some prayer up front, I've seen completely different people walk out of this building. Because it is so essential. Here's the problem. Feelings are not foundational. We've allowed our feelings to become what's foundational in our lives. Because trust me, even this morning, I didn't feel like getting up. And I have to be here, right? I mean, let's just do worships the whole entire time. Feelings are not foundational. But Ephesians chapter 3 says it so well. Says God's purpose in all this was to use the church. This is not my idea. This is God's idea. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. When Jesus died on the cross, he was on mission. When Jesus died on the cross, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he literally said, I don't feel like it. But nevertheless, man, let your will be done, not my will. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, I will do what, what needs to be accomplished. And when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for the penalty of our sins. That while we're still sinners, he died for us. So that salvation is now a free gift. Friends, don't get, don't, don't, please, during the essentials, we cannot get hooked on what we do, all right, as, as to who we are in Christ that determines what we do for Christ. Not what, it's not what we do for Christ determines who we are in Christ. But when he died on the cross, he died for our healing, he died for our salvation, but he also died so that we can live for him. Jesus died so we can live for him. You know what I love about studying God's word when I sit down? Sometimes I sit down and go, I wish, I wish things were different. But then when I read something like Galatians 3.20 or 2.20, 
It's not I that lives, but Christ in me. I've been crucified of the flesh. I go, oh, I guess it's not really about me, is it? Oh, what a great reminder. Thank you, Jesus. I get slapped by God most mornings, you know. But Jesus died so we could live for him. I want you to hear my heart on this. Jesus didn't die to create customers. He didn't die on a cross and say, man, let's, let's, let's create a church that meets every need. He didn't die to say, let's create a church with your kind of worship. Man, let's create a church with your kind of preaching. He didn't die to say, man, let's start a church that's got great this and great that, great ministries. And hear my heart out. We want to be all those things. Man, we want, we, we want to reach people. We want to. I realize we're the church. We're the church. This worship team's the church. I'm part of the church. Pastor Lindsay's part of the church. Our team's part of the church. But you're the church. We're the church. We're the church. Jesus didn't die to create consumers. He died to create contributors. Because in Matthew chapter 28, he died on the cross. He rose again. Before he ascended into heaven, he said, therefore, go and make disciples. And friends, if you've been in church all your life, this is a great reminder, isn't it? Man, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Man, he wants us to lead. He wants us to teach. He wants us to leave, a, leave an impact on people's lives for his praise and his glory. Friends, we cannot forget the essentials. And want you to hear me out. This is difficult for me as your pastor. It's difficult for me to say, church, 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 because I don't want you to think, oh, he just wants us there every single Sunday. Oh, he just wants more services. Oh, he just wants us. That's not my heart. My heart is to say, man, let's go, let's go back to the essentials. And let's learn to read the Bible together. Man, I want, I want you to come back and say, I read my Bible every single morning, and it made sense. I understood it, Pastor. I want people to come back and go, I wrote a sermon. I said, you did? Let's have coffee. Let's read your sermon. I want to hear it. I want people to come back and say, I heard the voice of God. I thought a pastor or a priest had to tell me, but I heard his voice. That's what I want people to do. I want people to bring their kids and say, hey, we drove with somebody. We drove all night from Idaho just to be here today because the church is so essential. But here's what 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says. For we are both God's workers. And you are God's field. And you are God's building. But because of God's grace to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever's building on this foundation must be very careful. Just like your pastor, I'm building foundation, biblical foundations every single week. But I got to be careful to know who gets the glory. Every single week. And it says this, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one we already have, and that is Jesus Christ. That is Jesus Christ. Here's what I want you to see in the scripture. 
You're God's building. It is so important on the legacy you are leaving behind. It is so important. What are we teaching our children? What are we teaching our friends? What are we teaching our loved ones, our spouses, that to know that we have an essential legacy? So will you stand with me, please? I'm going to pray over every single body, every single person here today. I hope, you're, I hope you hear my heart today. This is fresh out of my spirit. I want to put a challenge up for you one more time. I challenge you, not just to come every single week, I challenge you to bring your Bible, to bring your notes, and to bring a friend. Hey, you version thing worked out pretty good? Is that cool? Yeah? That's cool, man. But here's what we're going to do next week. Next week, we're going to learn how to read, and we're going to learn how to study the Bible. That's what we're going to do next week. Dr. Jeremy will be here next week. Theology professor, you know. But I want to close with this today. As I get into God's Word, there's a lot of things that want to distract us. A lot of things that want to take our mind away from Him. That's why it's so important when Paul said, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. But this scripture behind me, 1 Peter chapter 2, I think this would be a great reminder for many of us today. I want you to walk out of here today and say, but you are not like that. You're not foolish. And you're not sinking. You will not be wiped out. You will not be destroyed. You're not like that. For you are chosen. God picked you. And God has called you. He's called you by name. He's placed gifts in the inside of you. That right now, as I talk about, we're the church, we're the church, we're the church. God wants to use you. God wants you. I want you to know, God needs you. Man, he needs you serving. He needs you showing up. He needs you teaching. He needs you. We don't need culture doing it. We need you to do it. He needs us. He needs your wisdom. He needs your experience. He needs your voice. He needs your gifts that he placed inside of you. He needs you. He needs you leading a small group. But during these next couple weeks, I promise you, you're going to hear the voice of God. But I also promise you, you're going to hear the voice of the enemy. Saying, they don't need you. Look at that. They're all, pastors got nice shoes on today. They don't need you. They got greeters. They got this and that. Or another voice might say, how dare you? What if they find out about you? What if they look at your resume? I'm here to debunk all that today. To say, friend, I want you to close your eyes as I read this. You are chosen. And you are called. And you are set apart. God chose you to be the church. To be the body of Christ. God chose you to live in Las Vegas, Nevada. God chose you to be exactly where you are, when you are, for his plan and his purpose, for you are a royal priesthood. You are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Your pastor can't go with you to work. Your pastor can't live in your house, but the Holy Spirit can. And he can guide you and equip you and lead you. For you are a holy nation. You've been set apart. You are pure and holy, giving glory to the King of Kings because you belong to God. You've been adopted by God. And that adoption is irrevocable. He will never disarm, uh, disown you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You were God's very own possession. As a result of all those things, you're not just a customer or a consumer. As a result of all those things, you're going to show others the goodness of God. You're going to tell others about your story, of what Jesus did in your life. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If he can use a white deaf preacher from North Dakota, he can use you for his praise and his glory. If he can use them, he could use me. If he could use you, then just maybe God could use them. So if every head but of eye closed, I pray in Jesus' name. I just feel just an unction today. If you lost sight of that, you're ready to give your life to Jesus today. You know what happens when we give our life to Jesus? He pulls us out of darkness into the light, and then he reminds us who we are. And you're ready to be a Christian today, a Christ follower today. You're ready to give him your life and to give him your heart. I want us all to pray a prayer with me. And this is not a magical prayer. This can very well just be words that we say. But for some reason, it becomes your prayer. It becomes my prayer. That when we confess with our mouth that he is Lord of our life, he promises that we will be saved, that we are saved. But when he saves us, boy, he uses us. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me. I want to be a Christian. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Just raise your hand. I won't embarrass you. I won't single you out. Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Yes. Anyone else? Two, three, four, five, six. Anyone else? Six. That's it. That's all I'm going to do. Come on, everybody. I want you to lift your voice, everyone, because we are the church, and the church is so essential. It is essential for you to lift your voice. Say this. Say, dear Jesus, say thank you for dying on the cross. Say thank you for paying for what I did. Say, I repent of my sins. Say, be Lord of my life. Say, the best way I know how, I'm going to be the church. Say, the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. Because I now know who I am. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God.